0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is
1: Chuck Chris Meyer. Are Christians being persecuted in America? Well, some may say yes, others say no. So what's the truth? And what is persecution anyway? When the Bible says that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution of some sort, what is persecution anyway? On the other hand, there are those who believe that there is a, shall we say, an evangelical phobia for persecution. In other words, one article says that a majority of American Christians believe they are persecuted. Well, is that true? Again, it means and falls on what it means to be persecuted. But today on Viewpoint, we want to take an honest look at this subject. As many of you know, I am in the process of writing my 11th book dealing with this subject. It's called, When Persecution Comes. How to Live Strong in Perilous Times. How to Stand Strong in Perilous Times. And... As I write the book, the more I write the book, the more passion I have concerning the subject because I realize that we're right on the edge of something that most Americans and American Christians have absolutely no understanding that is swiftly going to come upon them. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at it, an honest look. We're not here to sensationalize. We're here to take a look at every aspect of this. We'll take a look at persecution around the world. But particularly, we're focusing on persecution in America. What is it? What can we do about it? What should we do about it? And how can we respond? All of that here on Viewpoint today. Viewpoint determines destiny, friends. And our viewpoint concerning persecution will, for many, determine destiny. In fact, just uh, at the end of last year, findings show that the number of persecuted Christians around the world had risen to more than 360 million people. And that's people who were persecuted in very open and significant ways, not the way Americans are persecuted. So actually, the amount of persecution that's going on in our world is growing. It has been growing since 2014 dramatically and there's no end in sight why is there no end in sight it's because we're living in the end times my friends whether you want to agree with that or not whether you have other people that will argue against that we are living in those times so accept it then what you see if indeed the Bible talked about such times, then there has to be a point in time when such times would come upon us, right? So if you go back to the book of Joel, you'll find it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon people in the end times. But we know that it was talking about the end times because the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, he stood up before the people and he said, folks, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon your, your men and your women, they'll prophesy and so on. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh in the last days. Well, the last days obviously then began at Pentecost and in that season. And now, since that was about 2000, excuse me, 30 AD, if you add 2000 years to that, which was the equivalent of two days from God's viewpoint, remember a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day, then that would bring us exactly 2000 years to 2030. Now, what's supposed to happen in 2030? Well, the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, world government, the uh, 2030 Agenda of the United Nations, and all of those different things that are coming together, converging together exactly 2,000 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church in Acts chapter 2. That should put things in a perspective that we could well understand. Now, that's the period of the last days. Then there's another period, a much shorter period, called the latter days. The latter days are spoken of in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39, where there's attack by on Israel by a group of nations that are specifically set forth there. It's called the the Battle of Gog and Magog. In the latter days, when Israel is in relative peace, and these nations attack Israel to take a spoil. Now, I believe that we're in that period right now. We don't know exactly when that's going to take place, but we're moving very, very quickly to that. And we've talked on this program about why that would happen and why it would take place. And you can find that in my book, King of the Mountain. The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. $15. We'll put the $20 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Now, that's the latter days. But then there's a third period of time called the Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord is a very short period of time. It's the period of time right at the end of the age when God ultimately pours out his wrath, not his spirit, but his wrath on the children of disobedience. That follows the appearance of the Antichrist. That follows a period of time, whether you want to call it a period of tribulation, I don't care what time what, what name you want to put on it, but it's a period of intensifying pressure on Christians. That's what it is. Tribulation. Tribulation is the New Testament Greek word used to describe pressure. Are we feeling increasing pressure? Are you feeling increasing pressure? Obviously you are. So there's a sense of tribulation that is taking place. But we haven't experienced the fullness of it. But people in India are, people in China are, and we're going to see that right here on Viewpoint today. But there are people in America who are increasingly feeling that pressure. That pressure is tribulation. It's persecution that is coming. That is already here and is coming and is intensifying. So the question is, what does it look like? How can we identify it? And then, what do we do about it? How do we respond? Does God have any direction as to how we should respond? Does the scripture tell us? Does Jesus have anything to say about it? Do the apostles have anything to say about it? And so, I hope you'll listen to the entirety of today's program... When Persecution Comes, yes, and that you'll prepare, you'll be looking forward to getting a copy of that book When Persecution Comes, when it comes out later this year. It's going to be extremely important for you, for your family, and pastors for you as well. We'll be right back. An article came out in the LancasterOnline.com. I believe that's Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it was talking about a Pew survey revealing that half of Americans believe that evangelical Christians are facing discrimination. Now, discrimination is a kind of persecution. You could call it mild persecution because it's certainly not taking you into the lion's den, it's certainly not whopping off your head, but it's certainly doing a lot of other things to people that's very hurtful and they're suffering from it. Sociologist George Yancy, a professor at Baylor University, said we no longer live in a society generally supportive of Christians. He said that conservative Christians face discrimination in academia, the media, entertainment, and the arts. Fair-minded folks should agree that anti-Christian attitudes are unacceptable in our country. The Pilgrims were among the first European settlers of North America, and they came to this land to escape religious persecution. And ironically, conservative Christians now are being persecuted in 21st century America. It's tragic. And it is true. Now... There are some pastors who say they're persecuted. There are other Christians who say they're persecuted. There are people who are supportive of the pro-life movement who say that they're persecuted. There are people who are very strongly against uh, the LGBTQ movement and all of that that is involved. And they feel persecuted. The feelings of persecution are everywhere. So... Sadly, persecution of Christians is often denied, unfortunately, downplayed, o- overlooked. Some people just seem that, to think that Christians deserve to be harassed, vilified or punished for adhering to their religious views. Well, what do you think? If you're a true followers of Jesus Christ, do you agree with that? Or do you think, well, if I just keep my mouth shut and I run and hide, then I can avoid these kinds of problems, and everything will be basically wonderful, everything will be cool, and uh, uh, I'll be able to live in peace, and I'll never have to face this kind of persecution. Don't kid yourself. It's coming very rapidly. It just is coming very rapidly. On the other hand, if you were to go to Reddit, you would find articles like, Christians are not persecuted in USA, or Christians, American Christians are just whining about persecution because they can't discriminate against the LGBTQ people, or rumors of the persecution of U.S. Christians are greatly exaggerated, or why is there a massive evangelical persecution complex in the United States? By the way, all those articles are in the last two years, last year and a half. Then another one says, are Christians being persecuted in America? No, there's no religious persecution. Everybody has to obey the same secular laws. But what if the secular laws are totally and radically contrary to the Bible? Now what? Another asks the question, are American Christians on the path to severe persecution? The answer is, yes, but not quite yet. Yes, but not quite yet. And that's one of the reasons why I'm writing the book When Persecution Comes. Right now, I'm finishing up chapter 20. There will probably be somewhere around 22, 23 chapters, maybe as much as 24, but we're dealing with this subject in ways that helps us to understand the nature of what persecution is why it's coming, what to do about it, how to respond to it, and even more importantly, how to be strong in perilous times. How to be able to stand in the very times that Jesus, the Apostle Paul, John, Peter, all warned about. They warned about them. So we should not be surprised that persecution comes, yes, even in the land of the free, that's increasingly becoming only the home of the brave. So, let's uh, take a look uh, away from our country for just a few moments and take a look at what's happening in, say, China. This is the latest from China, came today. Government is pressuring believers not to raise their children in the Christian faith. Now, what does that look like? Believers in China are being pressured by the ruling Chinese Communist Party, CCP, to discourage their children from entering into faith in Christ. Well, to use the word discouraging their children is a very soft way of expressing the problem. It's the kind of way that American writers, uh, particularly Christian writers, like to write. Soft and easy and nice. But that's not what's happening in China. They're not just trying to discourage their children. They're trying to order their children not to. And there are consequences if you do not obey what China says about ordering your children. That's a whole different thing than just discouraging, isn't it? The CCP has systematically sought to suppress Christianity in China. You're probably aware of that. Advancing a wide-ranging program of cynicization. In other words, uh, the the chinese requiring allegiance to the government. Chinese children, school children now, are being ordered. Listen to this. They're being ordered to declare whether they are Christian, number one. Then they're being told that they must sign a document renouncing Christianity. Now, does that sound like discouraging? That they're trying to discourage people? Say, well, we wish you wouldn't do this. We wish, we, we don't want you to become a Christian. We, no. It's way beyond that, friends. This isn't discouraging people. This is ordering them. And there are going to be consequences if you don't Order your children to sign a document renouncing the Christian faith. So what would you do? You're in China now, and the slant of your eyes is changing now, and you're a Chinese Christian, and what are you going to do? Are you going to cooperate? Knowing that there are going to be consequences that are going to follow. Follow. They're not going to mess around with you, because you're just one of 1.4 or 5 billion people. And they don't give a rip about you. They just give a rip about whether or not you are appearing to be a threat to the Chinese government. That's what they care about. So what could happen? Christian parents suffer negative governmental repercussions if they raise their children in the faith. If parents and grandparents refuse to cooperate in making their children denounce their faith, notice, denounce their faith, then their job security is jeopardized. In other words, they can't work. The grandparents will lose their public health and welfare if parents fail to dissuade their children from believing in Christianity. So not only are the consequences going to be felt by the parents, but also by the grandparents. The whole family now is going to be persecuted. The Communist Party portrays Christianity as unpatriotic and pro-Western and therefore a security threat. And what if it can't control the church, what it can't control, it eliminates. So, the next step is... Not just to cut you off from your job, but to cut off your life. And nobody wants to talk about that aspect because you may end up out in the gulag somewhere. Or you may just completely disappear like so many of the house church pastors have in the last several years in China. China ranks 19th on the U.S. Open Doors World Watch in the list of 2024 of the top 50 countries where Christians are persecuted. Number 19. Persecution and discrimination are slowly spreading throughout most of China. And again, you use the word discrimination, and people think very mild things here in America. That's not the appropriate term to use. Friends, it's outright Persecution. Why are we so hesitant to use the correct words? Words have meaning. And when we don't express words that actually say the truth of what is happening, we're actually engaging in deception. We're playing pretend. And the more we play pretend with what's happening in China, the more we play pretend with what's increasingly happening here on these shores. So let's go to India for a moment. So, in India, this article just came out today. Church-run schools in India ordered to remove all Christian symbols. Now, India is the most populous country in the world, 1.6 billion people. It's superseded China now. So between China and India... Adjoining one another there, you have more than about three-fifths of the entire population of the earth. Just two countries. And both of them are engaged in serious persecution. So what does it look like in India? Well, a Hindu group, for instance, in Assam, India, has given Christian schools in that state, a 15-day ultimatum demanding the removal of all faith-based related symbols and images of Jesus and the cross and so on. They're fretting over the fact that Christians are using the schools to communicate the Christian faith. Now, why would they be fretting over that? Because they don't have religious freedom in India. In fact, Mr. Modi, the head, the president of India, actually has declared India a Hindu state. In other words, he is cooperating and facilitating and actually cheering them on in persecution of Christians to eradicate all Christians from India. They said, we're not going to allow Christian missionaries converting schools and educational institutions and uh, somehow using them to uh, bring or lead other Indians to Jesus Christ. The World Watch list from Open Doors classifies India, as I said, a majority Hindu nation, as extreme when it comes to its degree of persecution of Christians. Now, this may come as a surprise. China is number 19 on the list of severe persecution. India is number 11. Does that tell you something? Number 11 on the top 50 list of nations persecuting Christians. It's believed that only around 5% of India is Christian. So you can imagine, 1.6 billion people, pressuring 5%. And you will know that within the 5%, if it's anything like American Christians, a whole bunch of those are pretty weak, watered down. So who's going to really take the heat? Maybe 2%. Can you imagine the pressure that they're feeling we used to support for years dr david stanley here uh he was uh, a pastor there in india he passed away a couple of years ago and for about 10 years we supported him and his work there he had started uh, a house church and then three he started with three house churches and by the time we were through they had 28 or 29 of them and uh what he saw, what he noticed and reported back to us was that in the last two or three years of his ministry before he passed, the persecution grew so great that they would come in, mobs would come in and just utterly and totally come in and destroy their church buildings, their uh, equipment, everything in there. He ran a uh, an orphanage and they would come and destroy the food. Yeah. And then, one day, he was riding his bicycle. He didn't even have a car. He was riding his bicycle to minister in another town. And they came and beat him with sticks and destroyed his hearing. That was then. And now, it's much worse than that. When persecution comes, we'll be right back.
0: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries.
1: What a joy it is to come before you daily here on Viewpoint to talk about the things that matter most. And they're not just political, friends. They're not just economic. They're not just over the border issues. They're not just with Russia and Ukraine. They're not just even with Israel. But ultimately, they're regarding the kingdom of God and the life of true followers of Jesus Christ whose lives are going to be continued to be threatened the closer we come to the return of our Lord. It's just the way it is. Accept it. Understand it. And in America, because it's so hard for us to understand and receive, we're kind of taking a a step forward to help professing Christians and their pastors here in this country to prepare Because if you don't, if you wait, it'll be too late. You're not going to be prepared. You're not going to be prepared to stand. You'll capitulate. You will. That's what happens in America. Most people capitulate. They find reasons to rationalize why they're going to give up and capitulate. And the ultimate capitulation is going to be receiving the mark of the beast when globalism, through digitization of the world, comes upon us. And how quickly is that going to happen? Well, we're being told, maybe by 2030. That's only six years away, friends. Can you begin to understand, perhaps, why... It might be important, from God's viewpoint, to begin to take this issue seriously, yes, even on these shores. Again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. There's a reason we're on the air, and it's not to fill up airspace. And it's certainly not to make this talk show host wealthy, because I received no remi- remuneration whatsoever. Zero and never have, in 30 years. Ever since we formed Save America Ministries. Ever since we uh, launched uh, the radio program almost 29 years ago. Not one dollar of salary or remuneration to yours truly. Why do we do this? Because God told us to do it. We're living in times, friends, you just cannot raise money in any significant way to tell the truth today. You just can't. And so there has to be somebody, some some voices out there that God will raise up for love of the truth and love of the Lord, who are willing, and God makes it possible for them to be able to deliver the message even without vast sums of money coming in, like most ministries receive. It's just the way it is. So, I just want you to understand that. Some of you are relatively new listeners, and it might be hard for you to comprehend that, but it is absolutely true. And anybody who knows me and my family can verify but that is absolutely true. You see, when you don't have to when you don't have to rely upon other people's money to support your personal survival, it's amazing the freedom that you have to tell the truth. The whole truth. In love, of course, but to tell the whole truth. It's amazing the freedom The love or need for money is the worst thing that strangles Christian ministry today. It's just painful to see how it works. We don't have time to talk about how it works today, but it does. That's how it works. And so today on Viewpoint, we're talking about something that otherwise people would rather not hear. Did Jesus' disciples want to hear when he told them in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for those of the kingdom of heaven? Do you think they wanted to hear that? Do you think the Apostle Paul's uh, listeners wanted to hear when he said that all who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution? Do you think the Apostle Peter's listeners wanted to hear when he talked about the suffering that was going to come upon the church just as Jesus suffered? Do you you think they wanted to hear that? No. They didn't. It's not the kind of message that echoes broadly on the wings of a snow-white dove sending forth uh, sweet nothings onto the backs of Christians that want to feel good all the time. There comes a point in time where we need some voices to come out and say, it's not just time to feel good, it's time to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on! We talk about spiritual warfare, but we don't even believe in it. Not really. Persecution is the ultimate spiritual warfare because it's the ultimate pressure that is brought to bear. And the ultimate of the ultimate is the mark of the beast. Do you think that's coming? Do you really think that Jesus would have warned about it, that the uh, book of Revelation would have warned about it, that Paul and Peter would have warned about those things if they weren't going to happen to believers? Come on, friends, let's stop playing a penny-ante game of Pollyanna thinking that somehow, because we're Americans, nothing like that's going to ever happen. Come on, we've got to be real. Your children and your grandchildren are depending upon us to be real and honest with them. I've been preparing my children for ever since they were born to prepare for the way of the Lord like this. Obviously, not when they were just newborns did I present them with ideas about persecution, but taught them how to be strong and to be able to stand. And so they understand that. All three of our daughters understand that. And they can voice it back to you. Do they have to deal with their own levels of uh, tribulation, shall we say? Absolutely. We all do. Just like you do. And pastors, we don't do our people any service when we don't honestly, straightforwardly prepare them. Don't just tell them they need to love Jesus. Of course they need to love Jesus. You've got to prepare them like a coach out there on the football field or the track and field field or whatever. You've got to prepare them to be strong, to prepare, to understand that there is a test that is coming that is going to be extreme. Don't you think that the guys at the Super Bowl – Thought that that was a pretty extreme test? Of course they did. Today, another report, this time from our mother country, London. It's becoming like a normal occurrence in the United Kingdom, the UK. A member of the London Metropolitan Police Force threatened to arrest Christian street preachers who were accused by a bystander of making homophobic comments. The police never heard anything. They never had anything to verify anything. Somebody just made a comment, and they don't even know who it was, apparently. And the the incident was captured on video, and I have watched the nine-minute video. And these unnamed Christian men... We're protesting their innocence. They said, We have not done anything. We've not said anything about LGBTQ or any of those things. We haven't said anything like that. But they didn't, whoever it was that made this accusation just didn't like the fact that they were preaching about the love of Christ. They didn't like it. So the video shows five police officers threatening to arrest these men who were preaching outside a West London shopping center. Sounds just like what happened when the religious leaders in Jesus' day, in the Apostles' day, came to Peter and John and arrested them for speaking in the name of Christ. Deja vu all over again. And friends, this is our mother country. This is the the nation that gave us John Wesley, the father of Methodism, uh, Charles Wesley, and all of his wonderful hymns. The nation that actually birthed the, the first great awakening in our country back in the 1700s. The nation that birthed the Salvation Army. The nation that sent missionaries all over the world. And look at what's happened. Persecution right on the streets of London by officialdom. They said, one of the officers explained, if you're making members of the public feel harassed or alarm or distress, it's a criminal offense. In other words, if they didn't want to hear what you had to say, no matter how loving, how good it was, you're a criminal, and we're going to arrest you. That's basically what the officer said. So one of the uh, preachers said, well, uh, what kind of an allegation was made? And an officer said, hate crime. Really? Where was the hate crime? You see, all you have to do is say the words hate crime, and all hell breaks loose. That's all you have to say. You make the allegation, and the rest is history. Even in not-so-jolly-old England, from which our forebears fled because of religious persecution. Now, when we get back, we're going to take a look at some uh, trends to watch this year. And uh, we're going to take a look at, uh, okay, now, what do we do as Christians in this country?
0: Click Cell Church.
1: Global Christian Relief has announced persecution trends to watch in 2024. We're going to go through some of those here very quickly. But before we do, I am going to, I, I've just decided I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in getting this next book out. And the reason I'm going to do that is because it's becoming increasingly difficult to get the needed books published and out there. Believe me, increasingly difficult. And we don't make any money on these books. Zero. Because the cost of getting them out there is so relatively great. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to take a shot at it and see if the Holy Spirit moves on anyone's heart. When that book comes out, when persecution comes, it's probably going to be about $25. It's just going to have to be based upon the current market. It'll probably be about 250 to 300 pages, and it's going to be a substantive book. So, In order to try to raise some additional resources to be able to get that book out, I'm going to make the following proposals. You can take it as, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a ministry contribution to do it this way. You're not buying a book. You're actually going to invest, shall we say, in the getting out of this important message at this time. So, if you give a total of $250 designated specifically, you're going to give it to Save America Ministries and designate it specifically for getting out the book on persecution. We will make sure because we'll have your address to put not less than 10 copies of that book in your hands. Now you're not buying a book. You're investing in the publication of this book because it's a ministry to get the message out. Now For $1,000. Divide that by 25. And that will tell you. How many books will will be willing to put in your hands. To distribute. When the book comes out. So you'll be able to distribute it. Again. This is not about buying a book per se. This is about enabling us to get that book out when it's ready. Because right now the funds are not available. But we have to write the book. We have to do this by faith, knowing how difficult it is and just trusting the Lord in the process. So this is is the idea that I've come up with as we're here on the air today. I'll leave it up to you. No pressure. No big please. It's a ministry opportunity. You can seize the opportunity or not. And we'll just trust the Holy Spirit to move on your heart. Okay? But when you make that, that gift, if it's going to go toward this purpose, you need to designate What it's for. The publication of the persecution book. All right, that having been said, no further please. Let's talk about top ten persecution trends to watch in 2024. All right, the first is suppression versus technology. For instance, the Chinese government treats religion, including Christianity, like a security threat. So Bible apps and thousands of Christian websites have been blocked. You can't even access a single hymn on the Internet in China. So with sophisticated surveillance, including the use of artificial intelligence and facial recognition technology, China's 135 million Christians are facing a level of control not seen before in history. And Christian schools and programs for minors have been banned. Even house churches have split into smaller groups to evade the watchful eyes of the government through surveillance. So suppression versus technology, okay? Next, violent national ideologies. They're taking place. For instance, we talked about India, the Hindu nationalist government. Next, the growth of Islamic extremism. Extremism has been steadily growing in Africa. In the late 1990s, several northern Nigerian states declared themselves under Sharia law. They defied the Constitution, and now uh, a number of African states have gone full Sharia law and are persecuting Christians like there's no tomorrow. I mean, burning them alive. burning them, hoarding them into their churches and burning them alive in Africa. Yes, in Africa. Heightened propaganda and disinformation. There are four types of common lies told in countries opposed to Christianity. One involves nationalistic lies, like you're not Indian if you're a Christian. Another is a familiar lie often heard in places like Middle East, such as you dishonor your Muslim parents if you follow Christ. By the way, the same is true for Orthodox Jews who say, you dishonor your parents if you become a Christian. Criminal lies often ensue in places like Pakistan, where believers are falsely accused of blasphemy. And then there are extremist lies. For example, Christians are violent, evil, so we have to kill them first. And then there's the weaponization of religion. It's even happening with the Russian-Ukrainian situation. We've talked about that before. Uh, the spread of organized crime, like drug cartels, violence against Christians. And uh, so those are some of the trends to watch in 2024. Now, as we wrap up, we're going to talk about uh, a Christian Post article uh, that came out today. Yes, Christians are being persecuted in America, despite what some may claim. And uh, even though we're still the freest nation on the planet, and have the First Amendment protection, it's just not protecting people because our government is so anti-Christian. The state governments are so anti-Christian. Colorado, Washington, Oregon, terribly anti-Christian. So, the definition of persecution includes hostility and ill-treatment. Hostility and ill treatment. So, are people being persecuted in America? Absolutely. Is there hostility? Is there ill treatment? Absolutely. So, it's persecution. They're not having their heads lopped off. They're not necessarily being thrown in prison, although some have been, especially in Canada. But they're shunning there's suffering in other ways. There's loss of businesses. Many are lo- losing their businesses because of Christian persecution in this country. You've heard the stories of them, like Jack Phillips, and Baronel Stoltzman, a florist, and Coach Joe Kennedy. All of these were very open and prominent. Situations and are continuing because the governments in Colorado and in Oregon and so on are refusing even to obey the Supreme Court and carrying on their agendas, their vendettas against these people for five, seven, and ten years, destroying them because of their refusal to compromise, on the basic teachings of the Bible. So what do you call it when a Christian is fired for believing that according to God's word, God made men and women as men, God made men and women as women, and only those two genders. Or for refusing to tell lies by using she or her or they or them to describe he or him. You see, we're being coerced to lie in order to avoid the shunning of the world. Are you lying? Are you playing the game? Are you using the preferred pronouns instead of the real thing? Then you've already succumbed to persecution. You've already conformed. And if you were willing to conform over something that small, What are you going to do when the mark of the beast comes, my friend? I don't think we get it yet. Crisis pregnancy centers attacked all over the country. Churches being burned down across the country. And then your Christians are being accused. Well, you're the real problem. No. There are some Christians that are the problem because they just have a bad attitude. And God will judge our attitudes. So what's making it hard for Christians in America is what you call secular progressives. They're committed to their own religious system. They brook no dissent. They're orthodoxy and tolerate no disrespect for their idols. So, you either not only accept them, but celebrate them or pay the price. So the scales are tipping very closely, very much closer friends to say Caesar is God than most people realize. Yes, even in this country. We got to wake up. So what do we do? The first thing we need to do, which Jesus said, is love our enemies. Pray for those that persecute us. Not react in anger. Because we've already succumbed. We're walking in the flesh and not the spirit. We need to be wise, wise as serpent, harmless as doves. Use discernment. Read the times we live in. We need to pray for our leaders to do what is right. We need to use the courts to fight for the things, the protections of the Constitution. But not with an angry spirit. We need to recover within our churches the understanding that Christ is the head of the church and not Caesar. We need to have a robust resistance to cultural norms that are contrary to the Bible and build those into our children and grandchildren. We should never live by lies. Speak truthfully and trust God with the outcome. And finally, and this is the most important thing, be confident and trust God. Remember, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, No other system, no other way, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Ultimately, that's the bottom line. And as I finish chapter 20 of this book, that's what I'm bringing to bear. Because, friends, we are going to be uh, faced with false hope. A false hope. And we're going to have to make some decisions. Be confident. We cling to our hope in Christ and Christ alone. The world may kill the body, but it cannot destroy our soul unless we let it. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friend, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Remember the proposal that was made to help us to uh, raise the resources necessary to get out this next book. And uh, I think it's going to be a very important, important book for our country and for the church. I hope you'll uh, see fit to participate. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. God bless. Be a blessing. And let's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Amen and amen.